something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse... I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And uh, Julie, let's talk about urine. Let's do it. As the as the commodity urine, not so much about the... I mean, we'll get into some of the biological processes that are involved in the creation of urine to a certain extent. But for the most part, urine as this semi-magical golden liquid that comes out of our bodies, and there it is, on the ground, in a jar, in the toilet, in the urinal... On the side of a bus, wherever, we're, we're left to, to contemplate this liquid and figure out what we should do with it. What can we learn from it? And indeed, every time you go to the doctor, or, or most times you go to the doctor, what mm-hmm. do you have to do? You have to pee in a cup. That's right, because yeah. that's that liquid gold that will tell you all sorts of things about your present and your future. And we've been, been divining with urine for uh, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the practice goes back uh, literally thousands of years. And we're still, but the, the thing about it is we still haven't, completely refine the process. We're still finding new ways to learn from urine and uh, and actually uh, discover the, the curative properties of urine, but not in the way that you might be thinking. We'll get into the, the whole urine drinking as well. Yeah, it actually turns out to be far more complex and nuanced beyond some of the things that we already know about urine. And we'll talk about that yeah. in a moment. Like, what does it mean when my pee is like electric yellow? Yeah, hold on, because we'll get there. So, Pee in a jar. We'll get to to the the color in just a minute. But but first, let's just rehash 
the basics about urine. Urine, of course, is there for a reason. It is a waste product. It's there to remove uh, extra water and water-soluble waste that the kidneys filter from the blood. So it gets rid of toxins and things that would otherwise build up in the body. Yeah, I kind of think about the kidneys as a brew house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the waste products is the hops. Yeah. They're kind of like flavoring what, what your urine is going to look like. And it's really important because kidneys do maintain water vo- volume and balance as well as regulate blood composition. And if you think about it, there are really only four exit strategies for substances in your body. Feces, mm-hmm. your breath, sweat, and urine. So urine is obviously one of the yeah. big four here. Yeah, your urine's a big one. I remember when I uh, wrote the article about saunas for how stuff work. I was mm-hmm. looking into the whole, uh, you know, question of well, can you can you sweat out impurities? And you can sweat out some impurities, but really urine is the the go to for for those liquid impurities. You'll, you'll get a little with sweat, but it's mainly the pee. Yeah, and let's talk about that pee because it is composed primarily of water. We're talking about 95% Mm -hmm. in a well-hydrated person. The other 5%, we're talking uh, all sorts of organic solutes, including urea, creatine, uric acid, and trace amounts of enzymes, carbohydrates, hormones, fatty acids. It goes, the list goes down and down and down. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, the, the thing, again, it's a waste product. So you get into that whole situation of when you want to learn about an ancient culture, what do you end up looking for as an archaeologist? You look for their garbage heap. You, know, you find out what they're eating, what they're, they're throwing away, what kind of little bits of detritus um, give us a picture of their lives. And thus, we do the same with urine. Uh, and, and we're discovering more and more ways to do that with urine because you see what they ate, what kind of, uh, you know, what they t- took part of, what kind of environment they lived in. So what we're talking about here is a, a far more nuanced understanding or beginnings of understandings of urine because, you know, if you look at compounds right now that are tested in urine, you're, you're talking about 150, not 3,000. So it turns out that urine beats out saliva as one of the most complex fluids in the human body. And it, uh, that has ushered in new urine-based diagnostic tests for colon and prostate cancer, celiac disease, and pneumonia. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating that we're, you know, talking uh, 2,300 different compounds can show up in there that should show, you know, what kind of drug, the drugs the pe- person uh, happens to be taking, what they're drinking, what foods they're eating, what cosmetics they're wearing. Mm-hmm. I never thought about cosmetic signatures uh, in urine, but there you go. And, uh, I mean, and of course, the great thing, and this will come up again and again, the great thing about urine is that unlike other uh, ways you might test the body, I mean, it just comes right out. It's, it's, you're not having to <laughs> dig into the body, cut into the body. It's, it's a pretty invasive way of getting at uh, some data about how the organism is working. And it's, I mean, it's, as far as gross things that come out of the body, it's generally not that gross. Now, if you want to, to uh, read the tea leaves, as it were, of your own pee at home without going through a highly diagnostic test, you can do so just by looking at the color, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, and urine comes in a rainbow of colors. Like on one hand, you can have like the extremely dark urine. Mm-hmm. You can have the the crystal clear urine. That's what I tend to try and go for on a good day. Drink enough water to where it's just straight up clear. And I'm, I'm peeing all day long. And then you have uh, you have various other shades in between. So uh, the big one, if you have colorless water urine, what does that mean? Just straight up. Yeah, crystal. you've been drinking a lot of water. Yeah. All right. Which I tend to see it's like a badge of it's like a it's like an, an achievement award that you get. It's like there we go, I'm doing it. Now let's let's get really specific here. Have you ever peed into the toilet, looked, and then saw that day glow yellow, and you're just a little bit taken back? Y- yes. Um, 
So, certainly when I've taken like a lot of vitamins, uh, sometimes Bingo. I'll see that really yellow urine. Or, or if I take, uh, those, uh, when I had a UTI recently, I took those pills that, uh, help flush the, out the kidneys. Yeah, flush out the kidneys and decrease the pain. And that's like bright orange. It's one of those things you take it an hour previously and then you forget that you took it and then, whoa, you know, it's like a, it's like a Muppet in there. <laughs> it's alarming. Yeah. It can be. And if you have tea colored urine, mm-hmm. well, that means that you're probably dehydrated. Now, yeah. a, a lot of these... More concentrated urine. You're right. And this tends to be the kind of urine you see in uh, abandoned soda bottles, I notice. You know, you never see like really clear, healthy urine in an old uh, sun drop container. It's always like dark brown urine that you're not sure if it's, if it's pee or motor oil at first glance. Yeah, but if you're urinating into a bottle, you're probably... There's probably some sort of thing going on there that means that you're yeah. in dire circumstances and exactly. you're just reaching for the... The nearest vessel. Now, the thing that you want to strive for is straw-colored urine. Really? Yeah. So am I overreaching with my crystal? It's possible. Okay. It's possible that you might have too dilute of urine, in which case you might want to back off a little bit because that straw-colored kind of shows that there's a balance going on mm-hmm. in terms of the salts in your body and everything else. Okay. Now, of course, the big one, of course, is if there's any blood. That's generally, yeah. that's generally, a, a, I mean, that is a sign that you need to get it checked out. Could be something simple, could be a UTI, uh, but it can also uh, be something far more serious. I mean, bladder cancer, you name it. So it, it comes down to, again, the, the fact that, that you can tell so much about how the organism is functioning by looking at the urine, even something as simple as just visually what's going on there. Now, scent, and we won't get too much into this because we could probably spend an entire podcast about pea scent, but a sugary smell might indicate the presence of blood sugar that's been excreted into the urine and could be caused by diabetes or pregnancy. And, of course, as we know, certain foods produce a sulfur-containing amino acid. Looking Mm -hmm. at you, asparagus. So, yeah, if you eat asparagus for the first time following this podcast, be prepared possibly for something a little, little funky. All right. Let's talk about some... Myths of pee, because there are ideas of pee use out there in the world, and I'm talking specifically about drinking your own pee. Is this a good idea? Yes or no? Um, no, it's not a good idea. And uh, <laughs> What? I, I know it, it sounds amazing. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, we were talking about it earlier. What's it made of? 95% water. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. We need water. But that remaining 5%... Is garbage. And you, and toxic garbage. Toxic garbage that you're better off, better off not drinking. Now, it's an idea that has, that keeps coming back. I guess there's something, you know, cyclical and sort of magical sounding about drinking your own urine. As uh, pointed out by Ryan Bradley in the popular science article, uh, classic FYI, is it ever okay to drink your own urine? He points out that, uh, that the, the celts in the Iberian Peninsula gargle it to whiten their teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, in Ayurvedic, uh, medicine, you had, uh, the practice of amaroli, which is a Sanskrit word that refers to urine therapy. And there's even the argument that uh, the Pro- that Proverbs 5.15 uh, supports the act, saying, drink waters from thy own cistern, flowing water from thy own self. Now, there are some readers who took issue with that proverb, <laughs> so we won't spend a lot of time with that, parsing that out. But yeah, this idea of drinking your own urine has been around for a long time, and you really see it in survivalist situations. So you have someone like Aaron Ralston, he's the rock climber mm-hmm. who was pinned under a boulder, and he drank his own urine during a five-day ordeal in which he ended up amputating his own arm. And you have people like Bear Grylls, he's a survivalist, who say, yeah, yeah it, it could work. But the, the idea there is... It might work to drink your own urine in um, this dire situation only if you have that correct level of dilute water in your pee. 
So if you are dehydrated at the point that you drink your pee, it's not a good idea because it becomes more and more concentrated with all of those um, excess electrolytes. We're talking about chloride, sodium, and potassium. You do not want to fill up on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why the the Army Field Manual uh, for Survival, Evasion, and Recovery listed on the do not drink list along with uh, seawater and blood. So really, it's, it's <laughs> to think about that. It's basically on the same level as drinking seawater or blood in a survival situation. Yeah. Now, to your point, if you had... You know, somebody around with really crystal clear urine, you could maybe make the case for it. But in a survival situation, it's going to be that orange stuff in the sun drop container. Yeah, because most likely in that situation, you you, maybe you get that first batch and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But as you continue to not replenish your system with fresh, clean water and your kidneys don't get flushed out, well, then, again, the more um, concentrated toxic substances accumulate. And what we're talking about here is sodium drawing water out of your cells, dehydrating you. And of course, too much potassium can lead to heart attacks. All right. We'll hold on to that uh, jar of urine because we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into uh, yet another uh, popular myth about the use of urine in uh, do-it-yourself medicine. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, you're on the beach. Okay. Sounds a friend good. is uh, has just emerged from the ocean, okay. screaming. It appears that they have been stung by a jellyfish. Ah. Now, nice. some people might decide that at that very moment that they are going to uh, break protocol and friendship, assuming they don't have this level of intimacy, mm-hmm. and urinate on their friend because they think that will alleviate the pain. Well, I'm pretty sure you should never urinate on your friends. First rule. First rule. So if you find yourself breaking that rule, you need to ask yourself some serious hard questions about what's going on. Um, but yeah, this is something we see a lot. It's, this is a, it's just a common trope. It shows up in TV shows mm-hmm. and, uh, and just sort of part of our, our popular consciousness. The idea that, oh, the jellyfish sting is awful, but we have the cure, uh, right in our own body. All we have to do is, is muster up some urine and splash that on there, and that will relieve the symptoms. Right, and they think, oh, it's sterile. Well, sure, it's sterile <laughs> while it's inside of you, but yeah. when it goes down the tract, it's picking up bacteria. So when it exits your body, it is not sterile any longer. But that's not even really the problem. Um, and to discuss the problem of why this actually may worsen the sting, we have to look at the jellyfish's skin cells, these stinging cells or nidocytes. Now, these cells hold a barbed thread-like tube called a nematocyst, and this is filled with venom. And Matt Soniak, writing for Mental Floss, describes it further. He says, on the outside of each cell is a tiny hair called a nidocell. And when this hair trigger is disturbed, the cell's toxic harpoon explodes from its capsule and into the skin of the jellyfish's prey or an unlucky swimmer. Yeah, this one thing to keep in mind about the jellyfish thing is that it's not just this magical touch that, uh, you know, dark magical touch that uh, that burns you. It's not like being burned by something where the source of the burn is taken away and mm-hmm. therefore all you have is the injury. You have those uh, those, those little nematocysts still present and, and they're clinging on. So they're still there. There's still some weaponry on the skin that can be activated, for instance, by scratching it. If you start scratching the jellyfish sting, you're going, you're going to aggravate those uh, nematocysts that are still clinging there, and you're going to get more sting. 
Yeah, that's right, because there are a couple of things that uh, really spring those harpoons of venom into action. And one is pressure. So, mm-hmm. right, if you use your own fingers to squeeze at it or try to pinch it off, uh, you're going to get stung. And it also senses changes in its environment like chemical composition. So what would happen if you peed on this? Well, what would happen is that those cells would say, hmm, this is odd. There's yeah. uh, more water in this composition than seawater, and we see this as an attack. And it would actually release more venom as your urine trickled over the wound. Yeah, any change to the balance of solids is going to set off more stinging. So, I mean, because th- the thing about this, the thing that's so um, amusing and perplexing about the urine uh, situation is that what we're saying here is that the, the liquid you need to use to wash off that sting and get rid of the, any clinging uh, nematocysts that are still there is salt water. And, and, and since there's an extremely high probability that you were stung by that saltwater jellyfish in salt water, mm-hmm. then it stands to reason you need to just walk three feet and get some more salt water and wash it off. And if for some reason you're stung, like somebody mails a jellyfish to you and then you're stung, well, then you need to get something uh, like vinegar. Yeah. But, but just using urine, I mean, you would... You, like, like we said, you have that 95% water, 5% impurity, but then there are all these varying degrees of, uh, of uncertainty as to what its actual content is going to be. So it's possible that you could have like magic uh, urine. You could have just the right uh, <laughs> level uh, in your urine. That's, super dehydrated? Yeah, just super dehydrated, I guess. Just the, just the right uh, saltiness to where mm-hmm. it would be effective. But that would the chances of that being the case are... Are pretty rare. And if your urine is that concentrated with salt, then you have an entirely different problem. Right. Right. Like you, the the jellyfish thing now is sort of on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, but again, it comes back to the salt water. Salt water is what you need to wash that sting with, and there is an ocean of it there in front of you. So use it. All right. So there we go. Now you know about jellyfish things. Please don't uh, pee on your friends. And should we even talk about the asparagus problem? I feel like this is such a chicken and egg problem. Yeah, uh, and, you know, back when the podcast was, uh, stuff in the science lab, I feel like we did a, an episode on it about, like, some, because there's a lot of, inter- it's legitimately interesting, uh, research into the, the genetics of this. You know, yeah. the idea that some people have the gene, uh, that, uh, that lets them, makes their pee smell like asparagus mm-hmm. when they eat it, others don't. And then the, the reverse of that, some people have the gene that allows them to smell the, <laughs> the, uh, the asparagus smell and others don't. So, which way is it? Yeah, and as, as far as I can tell in all the literature that is, is, built up on this, and there's a ton of it, by the way, mm-hmm. the consensus seems to be it could be a little from column A and B, right? right. A little bit that you could smell it uh, or you can't smell it. You can, produ- you can produce it or you can't produce it. I exactly. mean, I, I think this is, we'll put this in the area of consciousness. We don't know asparagus. Yeah. We don't know exactly why pea smells like asparagus or doesn't, and we don't know the center of consciousness. Yeah, those are the two big ones <laughs> yeah. that science science has on the blackboard. Yes. Have, they've yet to, to cross them off. But you know, while people are worrying over the genetics of asparagus pea, there's a lot of precious urokinase just going straight down the toilet. And that stuff is gold. I love this story. This, <laughs> to me, is about innovation. It's about imagination, creativity. And uh, one guy by the name of Earl Braxton. Now, this is a portable toilets businessman mm-hmm. who also has a pharmaceuticals firm, pharmaceuticals.org. And he figured out that if you could tease out this enzyme, mm-hmm. urokinase, and you could figure out the sort of volume that you need, mm-hmm. 
to to really make enough of it, well, then maybe you could turn a profit in the medical world. But how? How to collect all of this urine? But first, uh, let's talk about why urokinase is, is important. I mean, basically, it's it's gold because it is used to dissolve blood clots in heart patients. So it, it has a, an, an enormous potential out mm-hmm. there uh, as a as as a as a medicine. Uh, so even even though this idea that you can just drink your urine for health is complete bunk, here we see someone uh, who has who has said, yes, there is this uh, fabulous uh, medicine hidden in our urine. All we have to do is find a way to extract it. And of course, that becomes the problem, especially if your business is, is porta potties, because we, we've all seen a, a portable toilet before. We know there's not there's not always a lot of technology going on there. Generally, it consists of a of a dark hole into which uh, uh, we cast things, and then we we just assume that somebody else is going to suck it out with a with a giant uh, you know tank on the back of a truck. Well, and they do right, mm-hmm. and then they deliver it over to uh, Braxton's business, and that's where it becomes really important that those ninety thousand participants at Coachella with full bladders yeah. are are really depositing this because it turns out that he, along with biochemist Dr. E. Kendall Pye, they created a system that could separate the enzyme from the urine and come up with a viable product that could be used in a life-threatening situation where you you know you have the blood clot in a lung and you just get this injection and poof yeah this enzyme actually dissolves it it's pretty amazing stuff and in the process of of seeing this uh, this stuff out of the urine and to uh, the medical industry that millions and millions of dollars are made that's the the bottom line well yeah that yeah. there we go uh, yes, there's always profit at the bottom of the toilet there. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But again, there's a there's there's a pretty technical process involved in extracting the urokinase. There's a certain amount of volume of urine that is required, so you're probably not going to really benefit from starting a do-it-yourself with your own uh, golden leavings. That's a really good point, by yeah. the way. Just in case you guys out there are like, hey, this is something I can get into, a little niche business. And by the way, I think that Braxton has cornered the market on this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got uh, he's got quite a little business of porta potties. Yeah, he's been doing it for a while, too. So it's, yeah. this is not something that sprang up in the last uh, even few years. Here's a little factoid for you. Okay. <clears throat> For one of his porta potty lines, he tried to use um, the phrase "Here's Johnny." Oh, as, and, like the well, I was thinking of The Shining. But, well, uh, no, but I guess you're thinking of Johnny the, Carson. Johnny Carson, okay. yeah. And the Tonight Show <laughs> mm-hmm. sued him and said, "You cannot use our famous term Here's Johnny' for our porta potties." Wow. See, I, I would think it would be bad because I'm picturing uh, Jack Nicholson hacking through the side of the portajon <laughs> while I'm trying to do my business. Maybe that's so. the other part of it. They were like, and subconsciously, people think that they're going to get hacked to death while they are, you know, popping a squat. Um, but I mean, this guy is the essence of just persistence because even after Carson died, he tried again. Well, you know, that name and again, the Tonight Show said no. Yeah. All right. What else could we get from urine? I mean, something groundbreaking. Yeah, and th- this is amazing because I know what you, some of you are thinking. You're thinking, all right, well, you can you can get urokinase out of urine through this complex process, but that's not really the same as saying you know urine has curative properties. So there's magic in the urine that can be used to 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 heal uh, a, a wounded or aging or diseased human body, but. This really, I think, uh, settles the, the argument. According to a, a 2013 paper published in the journal Stem Cells, Wake Forest Baptist Medical uh, Center's Institute for Regenerative Medicine and colleagues identified stem cells in urine. So 
stem cells again stem cells are important because they're the uh, they're the children of the future right mm-hmm. they are uh, cells that can become various different types of cell types they're uh, they're a blank slate so in uh, you can you can use and we talked about this before in the um, especially when we're talking about uh, tissue um, uh, growing and the, the right. potential to grow new organs these are the blank slates that can be used to create tissues of varying types and then create new uh, you know replacement flesh replacement organs mm-hmm. you name it i mean it, it's key and core to the future of medicine and how to get those stem cells has been the problem so far so right. to know that this is a viable resource we don't know exactly you know to what extent uh but to know that this is a resource is pretty huge and the team successfully directed stem cells from urine to become bladder type cells we're talking about smooth muscle and uh we're talking about the cells that line the bladder but the urine-derived cells could also form bone, cartilage, fat, skeletal muscle, nerve, and endothelial cells, which line blood vessels. In fact, in terms of the bone thing here, researchers at the Chinese Academy of Sciences at the Guangdong Provincial Key Laboratory of Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine have created a potential method for growing teeth from stem cells obtained in urine and when I mentioned this to our video producer, Tyler Klang, do you know what he said? What did he say? He said, well, that would make you a real potty mouth. Ah. Now, one thing to keep in mind about this study is that what they were able to achieve here is they grew tooth-like structures on mice. <laughs> so yeah. soft tooth-like structures. So, um, and so it's not like the, the mouse had a, like, you know, a big mouthful of human teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, think more like a, you know, you threw a, a mouse and some teeth into uh, into two different uh, teleporters and combine them into one horrific thing on the other end. That this is a the, the very beginning of the uh, the ability to grow teeth. Uh, but it, but it it sheds some light on the future where you can imagine a day when when we can look to urine. Mm-hmm. This thing that for for ages we have just you know washed away. We can go to that and uh, and then use the stem cells in the urine to heal the body. So we have in a, a one episode called, I think it was called Doctor in Your Toilet. Uh, but we talked about how important it is that, you know, what comes out of our body can really help direct us in terms of curing ourselves and, yeah. and how in, in future senses we might be able to do more of a DIY setup. But can you imagine, uh, you know, a hundred years from now sort of taking some of the stem cells out and being like, ah, oh, lost a tooth. Yeah. Better put it in the little stem cell incubator and, uh, you know, maybe in a couple hours I'll have a new tooth to put in there. Yeah, you would go into the dentist and the first thing you would do is you would just pee in a cup and then they, and then we take it from there. Um, you, you, now I like what you, you're, you're talking about the, the doctor and the toilet. You know, I, I often think of that when I, I think about the human need to look at the things that come out of our bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, because, because uh, again, it's something as simple as seeing blood in the urine. Is a, is a sign that something's wrong. If, if there's something weird about our stool, that's another sign that something's wrong. If there's something weird coming out of our nose, out of our mouth, I mean, it's just, uh, at its very basics, it's, uh, it's the organism evaluating itself, mm-hmm. looking to the urine for answers. And our techniques of looking at the urine have only improved. And again, we're still finding things. That's, that's just, it blows my mind to think of that. Yeah, and I also started thinking about Freud, who said that was like one of the phases of children oh, is creating, yeah. yeah, creating the the thing that came out of their body, and they're so excited because they're like, I created that, I wow. I did that. Um, all right, let's not bring Freud into it. Instead, <laughs> let's talk about urine and courtship in the animal kingdom because you know that's happening there. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's pretty huge. Um, you know we've talked about. Uh, 
especially when we, we've, we've talked about parasites in the past, we often talk about mouse uh, urine. And, of course, mice live in this world of senses, a world of smells, so they mm-hmm. live in a world of pheromones, and that's where the pheromones are coming out in the form of urine. So in that sense, uh, mouse urine is a form of communication. And you see that in other examples. I'm thinking about crayfish, and I was actually thinking about this as the urine fight club. Hmm. Because the reason is is that um, male, male crayfish will respond to urinary signals of female crayfish, but the females will exhibit aggressive behavior at the same time. So it's thought that by stimulating aggressive behavior in males, that females are gauging the male size and their strength in trying to figure out uh, who is going to be the fittest male to fertilize their eggs. Hmm. And this was actually information that was um, found by Fiona Berry and Thomas Breithaupt from the University of Hull, UK. I, I kind of love to peek into that lab and see these crayfish fighting yeah. it out. Now, another animal of note is, of course, the giraffe. And uh, I've been reading a lot about giraffes recently, uh, probably more so than most people. For fun. Um, sort of. Um, so my son has a book on giraffes. Mm-hmm. It's only five pages long, and it's called The Baby Giraffe. And uh, it, it only has limited information about their life cycle, but I'm, I'm asked to read this book over and over again. And uh, oddly enough, it does not get into what we're about to talk about here, and that is the fact that male giraffes assess female fertility by testing the female's urine to detect their reproductive status. Yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting. They act as a kind of pee-stick fertility test. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm not suggesting that in the human species, but in some ways it might be more convenient, right? Because you just assess the the quality of the pee and say, ah, yes, okay, you're an asterisk. Hmm. But the thing is, is that the female giraffe is in heat and asterisk only one day out of every two weeks. So it would make sense that they would have such a refined system. Yeah, to and, pinpoint when that is. And they don't have a lot of time to waste. I mean, the right. giraffes are prey animals. They uh, they have to be on the run. If I remember correctly, they're only sleeping 30 minutes a day uh, in, in small chunks. So it's, it's, a, it's a life on the run. It's a life of always uh, keeping your head up and noticing what's going on. So you don't have a lot of time for extra fooling around. You need to get right down to business. You need to know that this is going to benefit uh, your genes. And if you're curious about how this urine tasting is going down, uh, just to let you know, the female can choose who to give her data to mm-hmm. um, by choosing to urinate or not when the male lowers his head to her rump. So it's not just that the males are going up to females all day long and having a taste, but, you know, there's certain times that the female says, okay, fine. It's a little more refined than that. So in, in yeah. a sense, there's a little more romance. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, there's a little bit more uh, selectivity going on. Okay. She's not just giving her data out willy-nilly. Okay. Well, I think that's fascinating. I think that the book on the baby giraffe could have been six pages long, and we could have uh, we could have gotten that info in there. I think that you're going to write that book on the giraffe. Yeah. That's what I'm sensing. Yeah. Six pages of scientific wonder. So there you have it, a little insight into the salty leavings uh, that we all face every day. And hopefully we'll all uh, leave here with uh, a little better understanding about the uh, the possibilities contained therein. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a poo-poo platter of urine information for you. You knew I was uh, going to do that, didn't you? Yeah. I did. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you guys want to check us out a bit more, you can do so. Yeah, just head on over to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's our website. That's the mothership. That's where you'll find our podcast episodes, all of them going all the way back to ancient times. You'll also find our blog posts. You'll find our videos. Uh, you'll find links to our social media accounts. But if you want to find those social media accounts on your own, 
Just go to uh, Facebook, go to Twitter, go to Tumblr, go to uh, Google Plus. We're on all of those. Yep, but make sure to hit the mothership stuff to blowyourmind.com. And if you would like to send us a letter via the internet and email, you can do so at blowthemindatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts welcome to season nine of next question with me katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.